Hello, beautiful soul. Emily here again. In this space, I like to dive into my own healing journey on all levels and also dive into other people's stories. Uh, I am focused right now on birth work, motherhood, homeschooling, and natural healing. But I'm sure in a few years to come, there will be many more topics to be added to the list. Today I wanted to get into why I'm talking about birth right now, why I'm sharing uh, some incredible women's stories of their own births and also of their birth work. I also want to get into some terms and kind of talk about the current culture of, of radical birth that I have been witnessing on, um, yeah, mostly on social media and also within my own local community. So why am I doing these birth stories on my podcast? Um, I now have three children and I have been in the birth world since, well, I guess since my first pregnancy, which will be nine years ago. Um, now. And after that daughter was born, I did a doula course and got steeped into the birth work community, which is it's very different from just simple mothering community. Um, I find that there are some women that after their births or while they're, they're pregnant, they kind of dive into birth work which is, is like the other side of um, the birth experience. You know, there's the mother and the baby having their experience, and then there's the experience of all the support people around her, including the women who do it as a profession or who, um, who kind of go in search of more wisdom and experience and then bring that to the birthing women. And so what really helped me with uh, getting prepared to birth my second daughter and my son a few years later was the podcast world and the social media world. Um, but I would say mostly the podcast world. I found the Free Birth Society podcast when I was pregnant with my second back in 2017. I was also in that in the original Facebook group um, that was the Free Birth Society Facebook group at the time. And while I think the Free Birth Podcast by Emily Saldea is an amazing treasure to women and truly incredibly contributed to my knowledge of birth um, and my trust of my own body, my own self, and my own baby to birth unassisted, I do think that there are some missing pieces for um, maybe a wider audience of women. Um, I also think that any podcast is going to curate birth stories um, based on their intentions. And I think Emily Saldea's intentions now are um, 
are influenced by her business endeavors. And I'm not saying this as a negative criticism. I think everything that she has done in terms of uh, her business growth um, and and being able to buy land and then hosting the Matriarch Festival, I look at that and I admire it. And it's a, a path that I would I would like to take. I would like a similar path of um, growing a business that is led by me and um, by women and then being able to in, make a good sum of money from that business and invest it into something that will then serve uh, women and children and people and families um, in incredible ways and my local community. So I look at everything that she has done with awe and admiration and inspiration. And that being said, I also think that her current podcast um, show is curated to um, uplift and uh, free birth, so birthing unassisted. It's curated to uplift um, birth work out of the system and especially the birth work of her trained people. So she is promoting um, their birth keeper school that is run by her and Yolanda um, and also her free birth course. And, and so that's just something to keep in mind. Um, I also think she's kind of looking for sensational birth stories, which are amazing. <laughs> they, they are incredibly amazing. The sensational stories, like the, there's a story of a woman birthing in the ocean. Um, there's stories of women around the world, um, Saudi Arabia, Sweden, um, choosing unassisted births. Uh, these are women who kind of maybe find the podcast and choose to birth or women who first time baby just know in their guts this is how they want to do it and they go out and do it. There's an incredible story of a woman free birthing, um, going for a hike and free birthing in a, like birthing unassisted in a stream. Um, there's an incredible story of a mom birthing unassisted a baby before 36 weeks gestation. So kind of, a, so technically a preemie baby at 35 weeks. Um, there's, I think, I believe it's in that same story where there's suspected placenta previa and she listens to her gut and she, she births her baby. And, and these stories have totally fueled my trust in my body, in the process, and fueled me to listen to my intuition, 100%. And at the same time, I think that there is great value in sharing stories of women who are tuning into their intuition and possibly choosing other more conventional routes. And so stories of women who are aware of the option to free birth, for example, and still choosing to hire midwives and navigate the system. And I feel like sometimes on the Free Birth Society podcast, the system is always painted as a negative thing. And I'm kind of in search of perhaps a less biased approach. Although <laughs> I will say I'm probably, 
I'm, I mean, I agree with Emily um, on most of her points and points of views. So I maybe wouldn't say I'm not unbiased <laughs> towards the medical system. But what I have found in my personal life and in my local community is stories of women who choose to birth within the system or in hospital or, you know, in, in however ways, and that that feels right at that point in their journey. And going forward, when they learn about unassisted birth, free birth, or birth outside the system, etc., and then looking back on their births, they still say, yep, that's how I would have done it. And so that's kind of the approach that I would like to take, um, is to... I'm more focused on sharing the stories of really my local community. What are the stories that I've heard of women that I know, um, most that I know, that I, have, that I know in person, and what are, what are their journeys? And so this, is, I feel, will be great content for women who live in Canada, women who live in Ontario, uh, in Quebec, since I'm also, I'm originally from Montreal, so I'm, I'm connected to the community in Montreal, and women who um, might never choose unassisted birth, but how can we talk about birth in a way that will make them feel um, more trusting in their bodies and in their babies, no matter what route they choose? Uh, I want to be careful not to pedestal free birth. Um, I, I have been through it and I, it's in my Instagram bio and it is something I talk about, you know, I'm a free birth mom and that's something that I, I wonder about sometimes actually. I wonder about the value of that. Um, it's kind of like something that not many people have done and um, a, a difficult thing to, to do and so I kind of put it out there as a way to attract people who... Um, could be interested in the stories I'm sharing and what I'm saying. And at the same time, it's not the be-all and end-all of birth. And even looking back, um, I will be sharing my story soon, um, but I, I did have a period of deep grief where I felt really sad that I didn't have um, the strong women in my community that I could rely on to perhaps not to be present at the birth. Um, I really love how the birth unfolded. You know, maybe to have been in the space, in the house, just holding kind of that divine feminine energy. And then definitely to be more present for me in the postpartum, in that first, in the first few days. Um, I did have to grieve um, not not having the people, the women that I would like to trust in my circle to be there for me in that way. And I do have some amazing friends, <laughs> some amazing friends that I do count on, um, but most of them have their own small babes. And so these are not the women that birthing women need. <laughs> you know, we need more than our friends who are in the trenches with us. We need the wise crones who have um, more freedom because they're not caring for small children who have been through it to be there to sit with us and hold us. Um, and they don't, they don't need to be crones. Crones is, is kind of an older woman, I would say 75 plus. Okay, they don't need to be crones. 
Um, they can be mothers and magas, magas being the women, after their menopause and before they go into kind of the magic of cronehood. But they, they do need to be women who have more space. <laughs> Definitely not, you know, children under, I would say, the age of four uh, who can really just show up, leave their family, have the space to leave their family for a long period of time um, and be able to fully be there for us in a really sacred way, which I don't think the system is doing. Okay, so defining some terms of this is this is kind of your your first time here um, and you're new to the idea of free birth. I also want this to be a space where women who've never heard of these crazy things can kind of um, find some ground and um, and feel welcomed and, and feel like we're we're taking their their newness to all of this stuff into consideration. So um, the term free birth I th has kind of been made more popular by Emily Saldea. It used it was called I would say before this boom, which has really happened only in the past maybe four years, and has really grown since COVID times as people search for more options outside of um, the allopathic medical system. Um, yes, through the term free birth has kind of grown since then, but before it was called unassisted birth. Uh, I have a friend who birthed uh, her daughter 20, 28 years ago. And in, in those years, uh, I think she birthed with midwives. Um, I believe they could have been unregistered. Um, anyway, she knew of the term unassisted birth, and there is a book um, called Unassisted Birth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I should look this up on Amazon. I will put it in the description box below because it's kind of the first birth writ book written by a midwife who that describes and outlines uh, unassisted birth. Birth where mothers and families are doing it on their own, unsupported by someone who is trained, basically, or has more experience in birth. Um, so that's free birth, unassisted birth. Um, now, Emily Saldea outlines that um, free birth cannot happen in the medical system. <laughs> so there is kind of a little bit of drama that unfolded between indie birth and free birth society where uh, Marin Green from Indie Birth posted um, an episode where she describes a free birth within the hospital. And Emily would argue that that is not a free birth, that you cannot free birth surrounded by allopathic medicine, doctors. Uh, you cannot free birth in the presence of and a registered midwife, and M Emily would even say you cannot free birth in the presence of a um, a wise birth keeper or or birth companion or kind of traditional midwife. And this is because there kind of is a very different inner process that happen that is happening for the woman and and family, uh, whether or not a person of wisdom is there. 
And it's very important, I believe, for women and birth workers not to pedestal any work. You know, we could um, condemn any woman who chooses to have any presence and any help as, oh, she doesn't know how to listen to her intuition. She's not strong enough in herself to only be able to rely on herself. Um, She hasn't done the inner work, yada, yada, yada. And women choosing to birth with support could be saying, um, you know, those women are crazy. They're not honoring the beautiful work that birth workers do. Um, they, they're just lucky that their births turn out well. Uh, they think they're better than us for birthing alone, blah, blah, blah. We have to be really careful as women, especially to not hop on that train of comparing and saying that one thing is better or not than the other. And even in the Free Birth Society podcast, There are um, some interesting stories. I think there was one of a chiropractor where for her first baby, she had a free birth um, unassisted. And with the second baby, she had a midwife attend her birth. And she really loved both experiences. Um, And I absolutely love that because one thing that I am encouraging to all women, pregnant women that I meet, is to really make the best decisions that we can in each moment that is informed by our intuition and all the information that we have taken from the outside. And that's, that's all we can do. And if we've done that, I think, then we have made the best decision in the moment. Do you know what I mean? So... So that is, that is what I would like to encourage and anyone who has birthed unassisted um, can even kind of speak about it in a, in a certain way that that, that is what they're highlighting. Um, for example, with our son's birth this summer, I, um, we did have an unassisted birth. And I, I like to add on, when I'm, especially when I'm speaking to women or pregnant we, women, I don't know what I would choose for my next birth. Um, I'd have to wait and see how I feel in the moment. I'll have to wait and see um, what resources are available. Okay, and I'm saying this as if there's definitely a next birth. I don't know if there is. <laughs> I'm still in the pits of darkness of, not darkness, well, it's dark, the dark of winter, but I'm in the pits of postpartum experience with a seven-month-old babe with um, not too much support in community. So it's making me wonder whether or not there will be another one. But if I were to have another one, I can't say for sure right now if I would choose to do it unassisted. There were things that were beautiful and there were things that were really hard. And what I notice is women who have had Um, hospital birth experiences like hospital trauma or mid trauma with midwives is that they turn around and have a free birth and they say this is the most amazing this is the best way to birth the best way and you know this is that this is the bee's knees this is where the the story ends and I think we have to be careful when we listen to those stories to then think that that means unassisted birth is the best and the best and final way Um, because we have to remember that those women are comparing 
two extremely different experiences. And of course, when you've had a really terrible, terrible experience and then a really incredible, be- incredibly beautiful experience, that that means that what that woman experienced as incredibly beautiful will be necessarily what will be incredibly beautiful for us. And so I just encourage us to speak uh, to different women, hear different stories, and then make this the best decision with whatever resources um, we have in every moment and to support women to be doing the same. So some other terms that are kind of being thrown out there are birth outside the system, um, where birth outside the system is basically birth that is not supported by any uh, registered medical person with that being like a nurse or a doctor or an OB or a registered midwife. Um, If none of those people are present, then it would be considered a birth outside the system. Um, Then in terms of the women who are supporting these births, I'm saying women because usually it's mostly women. And honestly, if there's any a traditional midwife who's a man who's supporting women I would I would question that I stand quite firmly in um, this being women's work in a women women's space um, I think I have heard of possibly one male doula <laughs> and perhaps there could be an argument of of his presence in the space um, of supporting the the man. I actually have attended a birth where there was a male um, osteopath, professional osteopath, who was present throughout the birth. So there was the father, this male osteopath, myself, and a um, registered midwife. So there were like two men and two women supporting the woman birthing. And it was It was very interesting. And for that woman, that felt completely right for her. So maybe that that osteopath was kind of like a male doula in that sense. But anyway, I usually will use the word woman and we'll stick to that. Um, So so the people, the, the birth workers attending birth can be traditional birth attendant, traditional birth companion, traditional midwife, although um, the reason the, the word midwife per se is not being used is because um, in places where there is registered midwifery, um, like in Canada, the US, and most developed countries right now, um, legally they have kind of taken control of the word midwife. And so anyone who is pretending to act as a midwife without um, being registered or licensed uh, is, is subject to, to the law, to the consequences of the law. And in different areas, they, they come after women um, differently because of this. Um, so for example, in um, Quebec, they are a lot more strict. And I, that's coming up in, in an episode soon. In Quebec, they are a lot more strict, and um, what's determined work that is impersonating a midwife is the list is more extensive than it would be in Ontario. For, so for in, in Ontario, for example, you're considered to be doing midwifery work um, if you're doing anything internal. 
Uh, so if you're doing any internal exams or, or internal suturing of the woman, actually, I'm not even sure stitching is on the list. Um, but definitely if you're doing any internal vaginal exams, uh, you're considered to be pretending to be a midwife and that is against the law right now. And so that is why women who are supporting birth outside the system and who have um, authority and wisdom and experience in birth are calling themselves traditional birth attendants, traditional birth companions, uh, birth keepers, that's kind of a word uh, maybe more coined by free, free birth society. Um, if you're a birth keeper is another word that's going around. And then there's also the word doula. And doula is kind of a word that's become more popular in the past maybe 15, 20 years, maybe only 15 years really. Because when I did my training to, for a doula in... Um, eight, nine years ago, it was like starting to become a bigger thing, slowly starting. And so I would say maybe 15 years ago is when it became a bit more on the, um, a bit more known in popular culture, but even, even, even then. Uh, so a doula is, I think comes from a Greek word that means a woman who serves and doulas have mostly been um, women, you know, walking with women within the system, within, you know, going to hospital births with them, uh, going sometimes to midwifery births with them. This is something I talk about in some of the episodes, including the next two coming up with Elisa and Sheena, um, is that most women, when they're doing when they're having births with midwives, they assume that they don't need a doula, like a woman who's kind of just walking with them emotionally, spiritually in the journey because they count on the midwives to do that. Um, and traditionally, I think throughout time, midwives have been that person who provides physical, emotional, mental, spiritual support to a birthing woman. Um, but what is happening now is I would say that that's definitely not the case. Um, I would say emotional, spiritual support in birth is not in the scope of midwifery. And I have uh, witnessed um, two births attended by midwives and I've had two births attended by midwives and they did not include um, those realms at all. And what I hear is that women have these births with midwives and they're often, they feel unsupported. Um, they... Midwives will also not really help with like pain management. <laughs> and so on the physical side of things, you know, they're kind of just more medically just watching things, tracking things, logging, um, watching for medical emergencies. That's kind of what registered midwifery sort of is right now. Um, and then also the prenatal care, which is mostly just offering prenatal testing um, options within the system and postpartum care, which is also very similar, is kind of just talking about like blood work and um, latching and postpartum. It's like, how's the baby doing and how, how are you, how's your yoni healing postpartum? Um, but it's, it's very much limited. It's, it's quite limited, even in the physical sense, actually, I would say. And so a doula, so yes, many women birth with midwives um, 
in the system and then walk away feeling like they were, they didn't feel, you know, very much supported in the whole way that they were hoping and expecting in a midwifery birth. And so some, so doulas are being hired for uh, midwifery births as well. And I have to say, I really love the role of doula. I've, I've worked as a doula myself. Um, it's quite beautiful to just be with, with a woman and you're just there for them fully with your full open heart. Um, in the system, doulas cannot speak for a woman. And so sometimes people hire doulas hoping that they will be able to stop um, some of the birth trauma that they've heard about. And while a doula can kind of help a birthing woman speak up her preferences more loudly, I would say that her influence is really limited. And that is part of why this movement to birth outside of the system completely, I think, has really taken off. Um, I think women had wanted to rely on birth doulas uh, as a way to, and even midwifery, as a way to escape the trauma of, and, and the obstetric violence that, that has been perpetuated for hundreds of years now. And, and doulas are not doing that. And so now it's kind of going into this whole other realm where women are birthing. They're, they're really learning um, all the things so that they can birth outside the system. They can hire birth companions or they can hire a doula to walk with them in their birth um, outside the system unassisted. And that's kind of personally where I would say my role feels like it is now. Um, if I were, or when I step back into birth work, when baby is old enough, is more as a doula to birth outside the system. Maybe willing to attend midwifery births, maybe. Um, but I've heard from some local doulas who have seen so much unnecessary interference from midwives um, here in Ontario that they are are completely stepping out and no longer willing to attend midwifery births and so that really that really says a lot when the birth workers you know experience um, secondary trauma from what they what they see um, that's really really the case I remember I attended um, there's I attended three four four births in hospital and they were all quite different and just witnessing how it unfolded in the hospital all the all the um, machinery and the coached pushing oh my god and and just all the things after having my own experiences and now having seen completely witnessed completely uninterrupted birth um I remember walking out of those births and, and just feeling in my body like so awful and, and just wondering. It, it really shattered my view of the world. Um, like, why are these medical people not more informed? Why are they not paying attention? Why are they not listening to the woman? Why are they not tuned in? Where is the sacred space of a new soul coming to earth? Um, I didn't feel any of that in the hospital. And... Um, it really didn't sit well in my body. And the message from my doula community was, well, we have doula night and that, that's where we process it. So just come talk about the birth. We know it's, it's pretty bad sometimes, a lot of the time, most of the time. But, you know, just come and talk about it and we just do our best for women and they need us there. 
while they're undergoing all of this. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a series actually by Freebirth Society that I really love where she talks about, she talks to um, a few doulas and even midwives who were in the system and who have decided to leave. And they're saying that telling women they will no longer attend birth in those places sends a really strong message as to how bad it really is. How bad it really is. Okay, so we've talked about birth outside the system. We've talked about TBA, TBC, that's traditional birth attendant, traditional birth companion, birth keeper. There's radical birth keeper. That's um, the term coined by Emily Saldea. And doula. Um, are there... Yeah, but there's also... Uh, other terms like family, a family birth or a family-centered birth, um, home birth. I mean, you can you can free birth or have an unassisted birth anywhere. There's incredible stories of women doing it out in nature or um, even in a hotel. I also wanted to speak to where this is happening and who who is who's doing this. Um, it's happening all over the world. There's a movement all over the world. I have some friends that are from Crimea, and um, that friend even even told the story of one of her friends in Crimea who booked herself a hotel room, <laughs> and she already had like two or three kids at home and a husband and all the things and the circus that it is, and she decided to go birth her baby by herself in a hotel room. Like that, how... <laughs> how incredible is that and again I don't want to uplift that clearly that's not for every woman and the best and only path but how amazing that that's what her intuition called her to do and so she just went out and she did it and there were no problems healthy baby born fine mom's happy she she had her birth exactly as she wanted it <laughs> completely alone um, there's women in all parts of the world um, birth is something that cannot be controlled Sometimes babies come really quickly and they are born in all places. And that has been since the beginning of time. And so there are what Emily Saldea says in free birth society, there are no places and countries in the world where free birth is illegal. Unassisted birth is illegal. Birth outside the system is, is not illegal. You cannot make it illegal because women birth their babies everywhere and birth cannot be controlled. What is a bit trickier is the gray zone of kind of who can attend her. And in most countries, women can be attended by anyone they choose to be at their birth. And then we already talked about kind of the limitations of what those people can do, because if they're pretending to be a midwife, then they can run into some serious problems. Um, but what happens sometimes out of the system is that women have agreements and there are women with skills and they, you know, sometimes do the things that need to be done to, um, to help. Um, so it's happening everywhere. It's an unassisted birth has been happening since the beginning of time. We have to remember that the allopathic system as it exists today has only been around for really about a hundred years. Before that, in the West, um, the results of the Inquisition and witch burnings um, 
really killed off a lot of traditional midwifery. And so in the West, we have had the beginnings of obstetric care for, you know, three, four hundred years where men in the church thought they wanted, you know, they wanted more control. They thought these these herbal women, these wise women had too much power and they accused them of witchcraft and working with the devil and um, broke the trust that people had in them and burned them. <laughs> That's one way to get rid of them and burn them. And so traditional midwifery has kind of really been underground for a while, but always, always existing. And even midwifery itself in the West um, is quite new. I mean, different, like in England, um, it's kind of a little bit older, but in Canada, it was only a registered, um, licensed with a school and, and, a, and a presiding um, college, I believe since the 2000s, maybe the late 1990s. Um, and before that, anyone could call themselves a midwife and attend birth. And so it's this really interesting thing where now that midwifery is regulated and in Canada free, um, well, we pay for it with our taxes, but when a woman is pregnant and she wants midwifery care, it is free for her. And so in some ways this is good because women can home birth with a practitioner with certain skills. But unfortunately what has happened is that this midwifery um, profession is owned by the hospitals and doctors that they work with especially in Ontario, and I don't know about the other provinces, but especially in Ontario. And, um, and so what you're really getting is, is medical care. And the medical, the obstetric trauma and violence that we see in hospitals is, is starting to happen in women's homes and in birth centers. And you can listen to Alisa's podcast episode about that. Obviously not in all cases, and there are some amazing, you know, practitioners, and everyone is human, and so sometimes some of these people will just have a bad day, but I will also argue that they are overstressed, they are working too hard because of the system pressures, kind of like the doctors in the medical system, to be honest. They are under too much pressure that they cannot give, they cannot provide a good service. The other thing that has happened is that with COVID and the COVID mandates, um, the vaccine mandates, a lot of um, the unicorn midwives that existed in the system have now exited the system. This is something I think about, that if, if I even wanted um, to work with, with midwives, I don't think I would be able to trust anyone who's left, who's still there um, within the midwifery system because the COVID mandates have kind of um, siphoned out those who stand for medical freedom and for bodily autonomy. Um, they've kind of siphoned them out because, well, they can't work. In Ontario, I believe the midwives um, must be vaccinated. And I, I know that because I know um, a handful of registered midwives who, who have left on the system because of the mandates. Um, so 
yes, so, so who is doing it? Where is it happening? It's been happening since the beginning of time. It's all over the world. Um, the Freebirth Society has become very popular around the world. And you hear these stories of women birthing in France and in Saudi Arabia and in Africa who find the podcast and decide, hey, I can just do this. <laughs> it's incredible. Here in my uh, local community in southern Ontario, I personally know, um, I mean, I'm going to say 10. I'm going to say 10 women who have birthed outside the system. And I find that that's, that's a lot. Not many women know, uh, know many women who have done this. Um, I know also a few women who have birthed spontaneously free birth. That's another term is when you birth unassisted because your baby comes so fast and help didn't arrive in time. Um, so some women give birth really quickly um, before their midwives can show up. And now Emily Saldea will argue that if the placenta is born with medical providers present, then the whole birth is not considered a free birth. Um, I, I'm not sure where I sit on this. Um, I know a few births like this where the baby came out and the placenta came out about an hour later when the midwives had already shown up. Um, but it had been a conscious choice to birth without medical providers present and or it was a spontaneous birth where the baby came out, no problem, started breathing, parents had to check in, mom had to check in without medical providers present. And I don't know, I would say you're, you're pretty close to the whole way there of birthing unassisted, but definitely the birth of the placenta is a big deal and um, deserves uh, a lot of credit and respect in its own right. Um, so I don't know, I'd be curious what, uh, if you're listening to this, what you think about it. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there were anything else I wanted to add about the terms and such. Um, I did want to talk about why women are choosing to free birth or to birth outside the system, to birth unassisted. And this is something that will kind of come up in the birth stories as they're shared here on the podcast. Um, many, many, maybe most of, most of the women who choose this path outside the system is because they've had previous trauma within the system. <sighs> and I find this really sad and it seems to still be happening over and over. Um, sometimes women are considering um, unassisted birth or birth outside the system and then they uh, work, they you know, go into the system for whatever reason and have trauma and then are finally pushed out. Um, but I, I really wish it didn't have to come at the, um, because women and babies have suffered at the hands of allopathy. Um, and there are women choosing this because choosing birth outside the system because of the stories they have heard. There are women choosing it just because that's what they feel. There are some really cool episodes in Freebird Society where, um, it's a first time babe um, they've never heard of free birth or unassisted birth. They don't know any other woman who's done it this way, but they just know in their deep gut that that's what, that's what they're going to do, and then they do it. So there are women who haven't experienced trauma who, who decide to do it. 
And then there are women who just feel in their gut that they cannot, um, that they cannot birth in that system because of their principles and their values, um, because of what has happened with COVID, um, because of the even the gender stuff. I would say that that is a big one um, in midwifery practices. They, they have gender, like genderless bathrooms or non-binary bathrooms and midwifery publications. They are kind of erasing the word mother and woman. Um, so what some of them are doing is that in the public face, they will not, they will avoid the use of the word mother and woman, but one-on-one they will, you know, call you whatever you want to be called. And there are some women who don't agree with this. And I find it funny because they still keep the, ter- the word midwife as their title, right? <laughs> they still call themselves midwife. Oh, the irony. But that's okay. Everything is unfolding um, in, in its own way. And humanity is growing and learning. And women are sharing. Another thing I wanted to mention was the role of... Um, I wanted to mention the role of social media in this whole thing because social media has allowed women to reconnect. I think that birth work and honestly family healing um, and, and the, the preventative medicine has been the work of women and families and shared within communities for, so, for, for all of humanity's time. And it's only in the past really hundred years where we have scientific journals and the scientific process coming in and saying there's the experts and this is what they say and then this is who's right and anyone who does differently is crazy and unsafe and wrong and this is the only way. And, and social media has kind of opened a lot of that up where the scientific community and the medical community... Um, the hospitals will kind of set protocols because of because of the fact that they have to choose one way. They have to choose a system. They have to go with it for the sake of efficiency. And they cannot cater to every person's individual needs, um, even the workers themselves. And so, um, and also with the journals and all, all the things, you know, there's some um, opinions that just get thrown out the window because other people don't agree with them. And now what we're seeing is that women are just sharing their stories. You can be in an online community with thousands of women and get their stories and their input on all the things. And you can hear women who have been through something similar, you know, whatever system, symptom you're experiencing. And we can balance that out with what the scientific community is sharing. And so I don't think that there is um, really... I don't, I don't think we need to throw out what the scientific community is bringing to the forefront, but I think that we need to give equal value to our own intuition and to what other women are yelling from the rooftops and to kind of hold all of that pretty equally and then listen and feel out what's the best choice. What's the best choice for us? So I really say, it's like, thank God for for social media and online communities. Um, And I believe that is 
everything that I wanted to share here today. Um, if you've been listening so far, I really love feedback. You can message me um, on Instagram is likely the best place right now at this raw mom life and uh, even posting, commenting on the Instagram post, on my feed, or reviewing and rating the podcast really helps to get it out there and um, make it visible to more people and helps me out. And feedback also gives me motivation to, to continue. It really, really does. So if you like what I'm doing, please motivate me to keep going <laughs> because if I feel no one is listening, I'm going to stop. Um, I've recorded this whole episode just walking around with baby Theo seven and a half months um, on me in a wrap. Um, I have this beautiful wrap that I bought for my second that I used a little bit with her, but I couldn't really figure out how to make it comfortable. I think I started using it when she was a little bit too big. And uh, the wraps really for me are not really the best for long carrying. Um, and this time I have to say did not <laughs> did not wrap it perfectly and so it's not super comfortable but I'm recording with his head kind of tucked into my arm I've been holding his head with my left hand this whole 50 minutes and uh yeah these are these are the ways that the 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 mothers do the work that they're doing being able to speak this out really feels good for me and so as long as it feels good I'm going to continue I've had a bit more sleep. I tried last time to record this um, about a week ago at my mom's house and I hadn't had much sleep. I had the dog in the room. He started barking at another dog. Because I hadn't much sleep, I was trying to overdo my energy and excitement, which just seemed a bit wild, (laughs) to be honest. (sighs) So baby Theo is just waking up now. Thank you, baby, for letting me... um, talk and share and I look forward to seeing you on another episode thank you so much for listening have a beautiful day